Hello, listeners. So this is going to be a really interesting episode this week. The announcements for the Independent Spirit Award nominations came out. And to put things into perspective, the last four winners of the Best Feature Award went on to win Best Picture at the Oscars. That includes 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, Spotlight, and last year's Moonlight. The odds of this year being five are becoming more and more likely. The only reason one of these films doesn't win Best Picture is if the critics and awards voters really favor Spielberg's The Post or Nolan's Dunkirk. Those films are not eligible for the Independent Spirit Awards. In order to be eligible, a feature must be less than $20 million. Because those features exceed the $20 million threshold, they're not eligible for Best Feature. So going off of last week's episode, we're already beginning to see that shift that I was talking about. Because it looks as though this year, the Oscars will be less commercial. And instead, the winners will be more of the independent, low-budget films, focusing more on storytelling rather than what we referred to as, quote, Oscar bait. It seems as if this year, just the fish aren't biting. The Academy looks to be embracing diversity, and obviously with the accusations which so many have held against the Academy for their lack of diversity, including the Oscars So White campaign and everything. It's very different. This year has one of the most independent, focused movie slates I have ever seen. As a lover of independent films, I couldn't be happier. This year's really shaping up to be the year of the indie, and it's just a matter of which one. So, let's take a look at the nominees for the Spirit Awards. First off, Best Feature. We have Call Me By Your Name, The Florida Project, Get Out, Lady Bird, and The Outlier, a film called The Writer. Best Directors include Sean Baker for The Florida Project, uh, Luca Guadagnino for Call Me By Your Name, and the one that's made just about everyone smile, we have Jordan Peele for Get Out. Best Screenplay also includes Lady Bird, written by director Greta Gerwig, Jordan Peele for once again for Get Out, and legendary playwright Martin McDonough for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Even the best female lead nominations include Frances McDormand, who's the current frontrunner, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Margot Robbie for I, Tonya. Male performances include Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, and surely to his credit, and indeed placing him ahead of other actors, James Franco for The Disaster Artist. Supporting actors, Allison Janney for I, Tonya, Holly Hunter for The Big Sick, and Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Supporting male includes frontrunner Sam Rockwell, who's up for Three Billboards, and Army Hammer for Call Me By Your Name. So, yeah, 
I mean, these are all of the names that we've heard throughout the year and that, that I've been talking about, especially Call Me By Your Name. We've been discussing that film since January when we knew how well it did at the Sundance Film Festival. And it's now November, almost December, and it's still in the conversation. And so this is what we're used to. And it's definitely been in the talks as far as Oscar consideration goes, but it's really interesting that those other big movies like Darkest Hour and Dunkirk aren't really in the conversation as much. Of course, we still have time. We have The Greatest Showman coming out at the end of December, as well as Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis's, quote, last performance in Phantom Thread. But those aren't in the forefront as they usually are in every other year. It really looks like this is the year of the indie. That's the prevalence of the indie film market as the biggest competitors this year, taking a cue from last year's Moonlight win and seeing another young filmmaker rising up and it looking more and more likely to be Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird or even Martin McDonough's Three Billboards, I thought that I knew exactly the direction that this race was headed. And then the bomb dropped. And to those of you who have followed my show over the last year probably know exactly what I'm talking about. This last Sunday, uh, it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, so a week ago, uh, a mere days after completing the final cut of the film, Steven Spielberg's hotly anticipated journalist hero film, The Post, screened for Academy Guild and press members in both Hollywood and New York City with Spielberg and stars Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep in New York attending that screening. From what I've heard, there was just an electric energy in the room that night. Not too uncommon, of course, as is the case with most of these types of events. I myself have been privileged to attend some early screenings, and it's hard not to feel an extra sense of excitement or anticipation, knowing that you're seeing something before someone else will. The response to the post was no different. There was reportedly cheers and clapping throughout the film, as well as for the film's stars. It had a feeling of a big event type of film. This definitely was no quiet release. It was met with overwhelming enthusiasm. I mean, who knows how long this will last when the movie is widely released, but it's certainly a fantastic start. And honestly, it makes sense. This is a highly topical, if not the most topical film being released this year. The script, written by Liz Hanna, was quickly snatched up by producer Amy Pascal last year, when it was on everyone's minds that the likelihood of a female commander-in-chief was being seriously discussed. Obviously, with the way the election turned out, though the initial thought process that went into the purchase of a strong woman finding her voice became more important than it ever could have been. Rather than looking back at the event 
with an air of nostalgia and appreciation. We're looking at the film as a rallying cry and a message to the country, especially in Washington, that the power of journalistic integrity is alive and well, that gender equality is worth fighting for, and that the leaders of our country will be held accountable to the nations that they serve. According to Spielberg, that message couldn't wait. Earlier in the year, he and his crew were hard at work, beginning pre-production on what would be his next feature. We've talked about it here. It was called The Kidnapping of Edgaro Mortara. It was going to be starring Oscar Isaac and Mark Rylance, and it was this big, uh, that this boy was taken from his family and raised in the papacy, and uh, it, it was this, this really big, convoluted, uh, religious and culture like dynamic, a very Spielbergian story, you could think. But by the end of February, all gears had a massive shift, and the post was rushed into production. He was already finishing up post-production on uh, his upcoming sci-fi epic Ready Player One, and knew that he didn't have much time. And he assembled an amazing cast and crew whom he knew would be able to match his vision. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, who lead this incredible SAG award-worthy ensemble, and the Oscar-winning screenwriter for Spotlight, Josh Singer, who was brought in 10 weeks before production was to begin to help with the script, to beef it up, and uh, just, just add more depth to it. Like I've said, I had a chance to read the script earlier this year. It's fantastic. Um, so just to see what Josh Singer would do with that script, knowing what he's done with Spotlight, and just a different take on that, I'm, I'm really anxious. So obviously, this film, with its prestige director, cast, script, and timeliness has more than enough leverage to mount a serious awards campaign. The greatest opportunity afforded to Streep, whom, like I mentioned last week, looks to be at the very forefront of the story, which sees her as the head of a newspaper who must make the decision whether or not to publish the Pentagon Papers, which have been collected by Tom Hanks and his team of journalists at the Washington Post. Streep, arguably, with the 20 nominations and three statues she currently has, is showing no signs of slowing down, losing her reputation, feeling overrated with the Academy. So it's likely, highly likely, that this is going to be her 21st nomination. Hanks, on the other hand, is a different story. With five nominations to his name and two wins, he too is a big horse in the race. The only caveat being that Tom Hanks hasn't managed to gain any nominations with the Academy for his last few features. Missing a nomination for his worthy performance in Captain Phillips and failing to secure nominations for Saving Mr. Banks, Bridge of Spies, and Sully. 
Tom Hanks' last nominated role was 17 years ago for Castaway. So if he's going to come back to serious contender status, it's going to be an uphill climb. That all may end this year, as Hanks seems to be playing against his America's Dad persona as Ben Bradley. The character he's playing is known to be a bit of a hothead and brutish, so it's a good opportunity for Hanks to stretch. Now, with this being one of the most unusual award seasons in recent memory, with no clear frontrunner and a lot of smaller movies taking the forefront, with notable exception of Dunkirk, I suppose. Here, at least at almost the 11th hour arrives this film that is as traditional and Oscar-baity as you can get. It looks like it has arrived to completely shake up the competition and become the obstacle that is in the way of the smaller films. I mean, with that cast and creative ensemble, the post is looking like a bomb that will drop and create a massive explosion that will rock these indie films to their core. And though we've somewhat foolishly dismissed it or haven't focused on it, it appears to have the power to succeed. Now, something that I want to point out is it's a very interesting parallel that can be drawn between this year and the Oscars of 1999, in which Spielberg's film Saving Private Ryan came out earlier in 1998 and looked to be the favorite to win Best Picture. But then along came Shakespeare in Love and stole the thunder right from the cloud of Spielberg and took the award. Now it seems as though Spielberg is the Shakespeare in Love with Nolan's Dunkirk potentially playing the role of the Saving Private Ryan. Whatever the Post manages to do awards-wise or not, I believe that it will succeed in completely eclipsing Dunkirk turning the older Academy voters' attention away from the World War II epic and instead shining a brighter light on the hero journalists as a more current story. Now, this, of course, isn't done. Spielberg has struggled with his last films, so it's an interesting turn of events that this year he has positioned himself as an underdog in the race. These smaller independent films could very well take the award season by storm and come out victor. I think what the Post really has to its advantage is that this year there is not one other favorite movie. Last year's race was so binary in that it was either La La Land or Moonlight. You had to pick. This year, it's a grab bag and Here's where the gross math of it all comes in and the prognosticating really comes into play. With so many, so many other movies like Lady Bird, Call Me By Your Name, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, and even Shape of Water vying for the attention of the voters, they're probably not going to be able to reach a significant number of votes and percentage of the number of votes 
number one votes required to secure the win. So while there's a more progressive academy, and that certainly might be reflected in the film's performances and achievements that are nominated, the more traditional films might still win because of the vast majority of traditional voters still in the Academy and those smaller movies receiving a very few amount of votes because there's not just one dominating option. It's the same thing with American politics of why there's usually just the two candidates because that way you can guarantee that specific number of votes rather than stringing the votes out to multiple people. Now, what's to be seen is which films will emerge the top contenders. Will The Post pull away from Dunkirk and Darkest Hour and become the top establishment option? And will one of the smaller films, like Lady Bird or Three Billboards, pull away from the others and become the smaller option? Lady Bird honestly seems like the odds-out favorite this year because of the amazing reception that the film is already getting. It's sitting pretty right now, certified 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the fact that it has a female director is also so paramount this year. Next Thursday, this Thursday, the, um, it's the, the end of November, is the voting for the New York Film Critics Circle. And while last year seemed pretty clear as far as the options go, Moonlight versus La La Land, this year's going to be nuts. It's going to be insane because with all the small movies and so many different tiny devotees of them, it's going to be an all-day affair, most likely. I'm pretty sure that New York is the first group announcing winners from the critics groups this year. So it'll be really interesting and really nice to finally have some kind of clarification of what the small movie that people are championing is. Again, most likely, I feel that it will be Ladybird. LA critics vote a couple days later, and if they go the same as New York, which isn't all too common but could happen, then it will be really good indicator for the direction of the season going forward. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the Film Buff Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and wherever else podcasts are heard. You can rate, review, tell others. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening.